This is the Cash Value Solutions Podcast, where your hosts, Jason Polmeyer and Kyle Mann, shed light on little-known money truths to help you take control of your financial future and become your own banker. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and check us out at CashValueSolutions.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. What's going on today, Kyle? Well, today we're going to be talking about how much premium you should pay into a life insurance policy. This is a question that we get, and there's not one really good answer. It's a lot like a lot of other things in the life insurance industry. It depends. Yeah, it depends on a lot of factors. Um, we're going to try to give you what is general guidance, so you have a somewhat of an idea of what what is proper for your situation. Mm-hmm. So, first off... Um, and a really easy thing for you guys to understand is generally life insurance companies, whatever your adjusted gross income is, will cap you at 25% of whatever that number is being paid into a life insurance policy. Or some have, they'll go against as, like if you're 30 years old, they'll take 30 times your gross income for death benefit. Yep. Too. And so you have limitations on how much death benefit you can get and you have limitations on how much premium you can pay into a policy. Yep. Now, how you structure the policy also changes um, those numbers. We aren't going to get into that though because that's not what this podcast is about really. Um, so that's really general guidance there, okay? Um, here's something you should really take into consideration though. When you start a life insurance policy, in the first two years especially, with traditional products, you do not have all your money that you've paid into the policy. So for example, maybe you pay in $10,000, but you only have, say, six dollars to $7,000 of cash value. You do not want to pay that money into a policy and think, oh, I'm going to have $10,000 to loan against no. and go out and purchase something, because that's not how it works. So if you have something that you're going to purchase within two years, do not count on your life insurance policy as a place where you can get all the funding from. Yes. And if you're not a long-term, long-range thinker, then don't even bother learning about this because you have to be thinking long-term. You have to understand the capitalization phase of a life insurance policy and what's going on and realize that that is, you know, that's a one-time thing, that capitalization phase. Hopefully, you continue to capitalize throughout um, your entire life, but there is a period of time where you won't, won't have as much money as you've paid in. You can't get something for nothing. You can't get something for nothing. And I mean, uh, well, I won't even go into that. Let's just stay on topic here. Okay, so those are good general guidelines for people to have. Another thing is, when I'm talking to somebody, um, I'm gauging how comfortable they are with this concept. Because typically when people buy life insurance or any type of insurance, they're getting as much protection as they can and they want to put as little money into it as possible. If I don't have a good feeling from somebody that they have a very good understanding of what's going on, you know, we've talked and talked, but still they're kind of on the fence, but yet they want to move forward. You need to start a, at a policy that is very manageable for you and that doesn't feel overwhelming. Yeah, or maybe not even start. It just depends on... Yes. I guess the person's what they what they want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Most of this also depends on what you want to do. Yeah, it does. All of it. It does. And 
and again, um, this is different for everybody. So, you know, if you're at, at the lower end of income, um, a lot of your income is being eaten up by your living expenses in life. So there is absolutely no way you could ever put 25% of your income into a policy. That's not where you get started. You get started with, okay, maybe I have an extra $3,000 or something like that, 5000 whatever it is. Then you can start to funnel off some of that money. But you want to make sure before you do that, that you have three, preferably six months of living expenses also saved up. Because again, all the money that you pay into the life insurance policy is not there immediately. Yeah, six, six months is probably a good minimum for a beginner. Yes. Very important to do that. And the next thing is, is like is what what do you want to pay? We're we're never going to force somebody or twist their arm or try to get somebody to pay more than what they're comfortable paying. I mean, that's not what we're about here. We are here to you know, try to help you guys learn the concept. So if you're, ca- if you're wanting to pay in $20,000 a year and the cash flow that we go over with you is looking like that is impossible, I mean, we're going to tell you up front and we're not going to try to create some fancy way to, oh yeah, you can afford it this way. I mean, we're going to tell you up front on that. So it, it really comes down to what you want to pay. I mean, and sometimes, you know, you could pay, you know, up to 20000 and but you're just you're just not really there yet. So if you only want to pay 10, you only want to pay 10. You're going to have more than one policy if you really get the concept. Absolutely. And, and here's another thing that we look at. Okay. Um, how much do you actually, the ability, how much do you want the ability to put into this policy? Okay. Is, uh, is 10,000, you know, for the next three years, something that's very realistic, but you say, you know, yes, it is. But based on things I have going in my life, I fully expect that I can pay in 15 or maybe 20 in four years, five years down the road. If those are things that you feel are very certain in your life, it can absolutely make sense to build that room into this policy. But again, it depends on your own individual circumstances, what your need is for potentially cash um, to borrow against immediately in the policy and things like that. Yeah, and you might run across on YouTube or another podcast people talking about premium financing, and we do not have anything to do with that. No, I I don't think that's a very good idea for people to do. It's basically betting on interest rates that your policy is going to outperform what you can borrow money for to put into the policy. And besides that, these things are for big-time policies. I mean, we're talking people with... 10, maybe even $20 million in net worth before that yeah. makes much sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking big time policies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not, not something that we encourage though. Another common thing that we run across is people trying to find money to put into a policy because they're not really sure where they're going to get started. They understand the concept. Well, it's just cash flow is tight right now or whatever the circumstance may be. Well, if you're a farmer or if you're a business owner that has a line of credit, you can start to, we can start looking at, you know, design a policy that's very comfortable for you, but also to where you can start moving money over to that policy and, you know, start um, borrowing and repaying just like you are with the operating note. As long as you can pay off that operating note, you know, you can do that thing and it's, 
it's not going to be some exuberant amount. Like if your cash flow is, or sorry, your, uh, if your line of credit is 300,000 and you're using that, we're not going to start you off with a $300,000 policy. I mean, we're looking, I mean, low, I mean, five, 10, some, somewhere in there, maybe 30 or something like that. 10% of what it is or something. Who knows? Just depends on the situation. I'm just saying that there, there's a way to get started. There is. And, and, I guess what Kyle was just explaining is, is something that if you fully understand what infinite banking is, the fact that you're not just putting money here to park it, you're putting it there to start financing things, it, it starts to make sense. Like, well, yeah, I, I'm paying interest whether I use the insurance company's money or I pay cash, you know. I mean, I might as well be funneling money into this policy because I'm going to have to finance it one way or another. And you know that you're going to get access to way more dollars than you put in it eventually. Yes. Now, here's the reason why you don't do everything immediately. And we already talked about it. Because your policy is not dollar for dollar what you put in in the early early years. No. So you can't get started there. It doesn't work that way. No. You have to start building a base, something to work from, and then you can start to expand. Maybe you can start putting more into it. Because you've already built up some amount of, of cash value as collateral to help make up for that shortfall um, with, a, with another policy when you first start out. Which is why you need us. This is why you need to talk to us. We need to sit down with you and look at your cash flow and see how you can get started and get started safely to where you're not getting in way over your head and you know the policy's lapsing or you get stuck with something you don't want from somebody who's not been taught infinite banking, you know, through the Nelson Nash Institute. And, you know, along with that, you know, you'll hear a ton of stuff in the industry of overfunding life insurance policies and, and whatnot. That's kind of a common concept uh, or language in the industry. And that's something that I, I personally don't agree with. We're, we're maximum funding these contracts. Mm-hmm. We aren't overfunding it. You, I mean, I don't know how you would do that, but you're just maximum funding them. You're filling them up as much as you can to emphasize cash value. Now, whatever that is for you, that needs to be an, a premium that is affordable to you, that's realistic, that's, that's appropriate for your own situation. It isn't, it isn't just the biggest number that we can possibly do because we get more commission for that. This has to fit your situation correctly. I realize that a lot of the things we've said are generic, but things that you should take into consideration. Um, another thing, uh, I mentioned living expenses earlier. I, I personally do not believe that you should count on putting your living expense dollars into a life insurance policy from the get-go. No. That's something for future down the road uh, that you could tackle maybe, not where you get started. Should be one of the last goals. Yep. Do not commit those type of dollars into uh, into a policy. So here's a hypothetical. Say you have fifty thousand dollars of income. Say uh, let's say you pay uh, for easy for easy math. Let's say you pay ten thousand dollars of that fifty thousand in taxes, and let's say you pay twenty thousand in living expenses. That only leaves you with twenty thousand dollars left. Okay, maybe some some or most of that money could go into a policy but it still has to fit your situation correctly. Yeah, I mean, likely not going to take all 20 and just starting out, more than likely half. Yes, and that's actually what I just did for a client um, when we were going over what they should pay. 
but it it makes it so much easier to understand what you even have access to when you stop looking at just the gross numbers and you start getting down to well what's actually left after my expenses are paid yeah and then you can start to build a scenario off of that and we definitely get more commission the bigger the policy is but if we go out there trying to push big policies so we get more commission we're gonna have more failures and that's gonna hurt us in the long run so there is no it's gonna hurt us it's gonna hurt you that's there's no incentive for us to try to um push big policies on you i know Sometimes life insurance agents get the rep of that. Oh, yeah, they're just trying to swindle me into a larger premium. But really, there's no advantage to us. No, we want this to be a long-term relationship. And, you know, if you get started right, you're going to have to start more policies in the future. That's, that's just how it is. Nelson had 49 policies. He just started another one when he could afford to make the next premium payment on another policy. Yeah, and, you know, we're not saying, oh, yeah, you should have 49 policies. No, absolutely not. You should you should pay as much as you are comfortable paying in that first policy. And then when you're ready and you are comfortable to start another one, you should do the same. Here's a, here's a good way to determine that. If you're maxing out your PUA rider on your policies already and you don't have anywhere to start putting other money, it's time to start looking at, okay, can I start another policy now? Yeah. But... uh. For, for a general rule of guidance, maybe let's say three years or something, you've maxed out that PUA rider. You yeah. don't have any other room in that policy. There's no backfilling capability. You're just ready um, for another policy. And you have some uh, money built up in savings too. And maybe, and you know, if you just have one year of premium, I wouldn't recommend starting that policy on just on that new policy on one year of premium. Not unless you have extra cash flow to, yes. to justify it. Yep. So anything else you want to add, Kyle? I know this was general, but um, it's hard to be specific. Um, no, I think people. I think this dead horse was beat well. <laughs> okay. Um, one last thing. I mentioned the 25% thing. That's a general guideline. There are ways to get a little more than that. I mean, personally, I've done it with my own self. Um, but generally speaking, that's a pretty good parameter and one that's hard to get above. So going to have to be a really good reason for doing it as well. Yeah. But, um, just a little more background for you guys so you can understand that. Also, um, Kyle mentioned like, uh, if you're 30 years old, maybe they'll take your income times 30 years and that's how much death benefit you can have. Um, if you're young enough, you could potentially do 35. That is stretched to the max. Yeah. Um, but again, just a little more insight for you guys. So <clears throat> anything else, Kyle? Nope. Thanks for tuning in this week, guys. All right. We'll see you next week. This was the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Check us out at cashvaluesolutions.com. And don't forget to tune in next week.